Welcome to Hell, California, the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host and narrator, Mike Brennan. Hell, California is an anthology crime show. Each episode is an intriguing original tale of hard-boiled crime fiction. Noir stories all set in the same mysterious, mythical California border town. It was developed by a team of six writers who came together in March of 2020, working virtually during the pandemic. The following story contains depictions of graphic violence, profanity, and content of a highly sexual nature. This podcast is only intended for mature audiences. The Triumph, Part 2. Written by Jimmy Hurt. Mr. Vesuvio, I didn't know you were down here. I can handle these two from here. Take the rest of the group to the patio. The tasting is ready. And the group departs. Sal Vesuvio. This is my vineyard. Jorge Castillo. George Haywood. How can I help the Hell PD? I'm with the Bureau. <laughs> I see. Follow me. I've always wanted to try a tasting. Don't worry, I'll catch up. Jorge scurries off. Shall we, Mr. Vesuvio? Mr. Vesuvio turns and walks. Cicero observes from a hidden position. Jorge walks by. Cicero is left with a choice to follow George or Jorge. He chooses Jorge. In the tasting room, wine bottles, glasses, and men in blindfolds. Two steps remain. Finding where we clarify the wine. In the bottling room, a woman sits, holding an empty glass bottle up to the spigot on a stainless steel tank. She fills bottle by bottle, corking each, a master of her craft. And bottle, what you see here. George eyes the immaculate glasswork. Nice glass. Where'd you get it? A local glass blower. Quite the talented artist. Pay them what they're worth, I say. Mr. Vesuvio takes two bottles and hands them both to George. Old Castle Red, our 2019 blend. Is this a bribe? <laughs> Complimentary at the end of tours. Back in the storage room, Jorge snoops back the way he came, barrique by barrique. Cicero tails Jorge with increasing wariness. Jorge stumbles upon a tiny alcove tucked away from the barrique storage. A spiral staircase leads down to the cobblestone hallway. There's a green door beckoning at the end of it, and Jorge opens the cobblestone chamber. He sees the three gigantic barriques lying on their side, and a woman in a red dress is La Enfesquite and she takes a sip of wine, cool and calm. Do you have it? Have what? Get out! Jorge steps backward, leaving the room. Cicero, crouched on the spiral staircase, waits for Jorge to exit. As he does, Cicero hustles to move out of sight. The earpiece and radio microphone in his ear slip out of his pocket and spiral down the stair 
Jorge hears the noise. He cautiously walks to the stairs on the earpiece and microphone dangling perfectly from one of the spiral stairs, inviting him. And Jorge slips the radio into his left ear. There's an outdoor amphitheater, an outdoor stage at the bottom, hosting Shakespeare in the Vines performance. George and Mr. Vesuvio watch from the top. Vine and Shakespeare, they pair so well. When I opened this vineyard, I insisted on hosting this event. I thought a fun idea. And what can beat this view? The sunlight fading beyond the hills, the blues and oranges in the sky brought the barn to life. Why are you here? You can imagine the rumors of the cause. Stocks talk. Just a friendly visit. What is this, a shakedown? A lioness hath whelped in the streets, and graves have yawned and yielded up their dead. Fierce, fiery warriors fought upon the clouds in ranks and squadrons, and right form of war, which drizzled blood. Julius Caesar, my favorite. I forget my sophomore year. What happens again? In the play or actual history? Real life. I'm not a poetic man. When Rome was too fractured for one man to hold power, Caesar, Pompey, and Crassus shared it. A triumphant. But power never lasts. Ego, arrogance, frail. Pompey was the old guard, defeated in battle. Without his old base of support, he lost his soul on a distant shore. Crassus was the bankrupt, a wealthy investor. His ambition and arrogance drove him to pick a fight with an enemy he didn't understand. He met a brutal, humiliating end in the desert. Only the decisive Caesar was left to change the world. For a time. Stick around and watch the rest. See what happens. Mr. Vesuvio smiles, shakes George's hand, and departs. George settles in to watch the play. Back in the storage room, the voices fade in as Jorge adjusts the volume on the radio microphone. He snoops on the line as he hustles outside. Another shipment in a month. Our friends in France will be glad to hear it. What of the Bureau? Customs? The Federales? The wonderful thing about bureaucrats, they're predictable. The home, the family, there's always a pressure point. George is still watching the play unfold at the amphitheater. Fuck am I doing here? I swear, Jorge, you bastard. Back at the sorting room, Jorge listens in on the voices. On to the matter at hand. A ceremony. A new prospect joins us. Do we recognize a new soul? It must be unanimous. Yay or nay? For myself, I vote A. Yay. Yay. And you, Vice Angel? I trust the reputation. Yay. Well, that leaves it to the boss. At the amphitheater, Caesar takes his seat on the dais. In the vineyard, Jorge still eavesdrops. A distinctive, suave voice chimes in on the earpiece. Coin her and send her to the Sphinx. Enjoy the show. At the outdoor amphitheater, 
four figures in the audience stand in perfect unison. A brunette woman, a blonde bombshell, a tattooed mustachioed biker, and a scholarly bookish man. One by one, they approach a woman in the audience and hand her a gold coin. Then they depart. George watches them go. What was that? On stage, the senators surround Caesar and take turns stabbing him. The woman watches. George watches with horror as Brutus approaches. In the vineyard, Cicero approaches Jorge, knife in hand. Jorge is lost in the maze of vines and grapes. At the amphitheater, Caesar cries out, You too, my child. The woman watches Brutus stab Caesar. She admires the four golden coins, also given a note. She opens the note, and her eyes bulge. The woman watches Caesar die then departs. George gets up and follows her. In the vineyard, George has tailed the woman through the grape stalks. A few rows over, Cicero is tailing Jorge. The woman emerges first, heads towards the loading dock. Jorge and George emerge a few rows apart. Where the fuck you been? Hopping in. <laughs> Clever devil, you son of a bitch. You? Following her. Walk and talk. Jorge and George follow the woman. I took the tour. I talked to that Vesuvius guy, Vesuvio, whatever. I snatched these two bottles when I saw a play. A play? Julius Caesar. Something super weird happened. She was handed something. I was curious. Coiner. Let's go to the car. Go through the files. Find out what we have there. Keep the tail on her. Back at the cobblestone chamber, the woman enters La Enfisque, center stage. Are you La Enfisque? I was given, well, I think you know. Your work with us in the past has brought you to the present. Your future depends on this fork in the road. You've already been given everything you need to choose. One of these doors will lead you to what you want. And if I'm wrong? La Ambiscade only responses a measured sip of wine. The woman wastes no time. She chooses the door to her left. The woman opens the door. It's an empty barrique. Well done. Follow me. She exits, and the woman, confused, follows her. Hmm. Lafsky leads the woman down the cobblestone hallway. So many tend to overthink, to wait for the right moment. Not you. You've created your own opportunity. I tend not to ask questions. Professional courtesy. But what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Today is your procession, your triumph. A new life begins. Black Visquet opens the door and leads the woman inside. Back at the sedan, George peruses the burgundy file. Let's put it together. 
What did I see and what did you hear? Heard a lot of chatter, some type of election, I think. Uh, they were bringing in a new member. Huh. The woman, I bet. I saw a woman too. It was like a dream, a riddle or something. Okay. Did you start chugging wine when I wasn't looking? Save it. Check it out. The woman hops into the cab of her semi-trailer. We'll figure it out on the way. George peels off after the semi. A moment later, an SUV starts up and follows. At the wheel is Sussero. Along rural hills, a two-lane highway weaves to and fro like a calm river. The woman at the wheel of the trailer. Behind her, Jorge and George continue their tale in the sedan. What's your goal here? Wait and see, right? Then what? Grab a drink, I guess. You're the host. You're buying. Cicero is behind the wheel of the SUV. At the Bar Sticks, a lonely stucco bar, a grungy motel, sits on the opposite side of the highway. The woman's semi-trailer pulls into the Bar Sticks. George's sedan pulls into the motel parking lot opposite. Wherever we are, we're here. Cicero tails them in unnoticed. The two men are in the car. It's stakeout time in the sedan. What's the sign on the bar say? George pulls out a pair of binoculars and takes a peek. The bar sticks. Tasteful. Speaking of taste. He grabs the old castle red from the back seat. Already? Could be spending some time here. Might as well get comfy. Are you an alcoholic? Don't you know how to kill a good time? It's got you so wound up. Life. Something like that. They watched the woman unload glass bottles of Old Castle Red with the help of two men. Hours pass. The sun fades. Darkness arrives. Jorge and George are fighting the boredom at night. Wonder if they got any steak in there. I could eat. Got any food in here? I don't even know where here is. A distant purr turns into a nearby rumble. Two motorcycles approach. Check it out. George grabs the binoculars. Two men get off their bikes and saunter into the bar. Tattoos and attitude, leather and patches. Anything? Bikers. No shit. The trouble? They... Eh, depends on the patch. From the Acheron Motel, Cicero is watching Jorge and George. He exits the SUV and checks into the Acheron Motel. At the bar, the woman steps out, dragging a dolly. Her phone rings. Who is this? Your guardian devil. Back in the sedan, Jorge and George are watching the woman. 
George, using binoculars for eyes, ogles the woman up and down. When he looks up again, she's staring at him. Shit, get down. George snaps his chair back. Jorge follows suit. Fuck. Did she see you? I think. Fuck. Are you kidding me? Should we take another look? They both slowly lean up. The woman jumps onto the back of the trailer. She barks in order to the loaders. They emerge from the trailer, tucking pistols into waistbands. What is she doing? The two loaders split, one far left, one far right. The woman faces them and marches across the highway. She strolls right past the sedan and into the Acheron Motel. Oh, that was weird. Where are the other two? George scans left. Jorge scans right. They each spy a murky silhouette of a loader behind parked cars. Shit! It's a hit! We're made! Let's get cover! Son of a bitch! The motel? No good. She's in the motel. The bar? There's people inside. It's public. You ready? No time to waste. Let's go. The burgundy file is left alone. They cross the street, paranoid. Looks like I'm about to buy you that drink after all. Inside the bar, it's brick walls, a touch of neon. The bikers sit at the bar. There's Quartermaster, 35. Blonde, loud, skinhead tattoos. There's the Prospect, 25. Quiet, bearded, a brute, one tattoo. Jorge and George approach the bar. My phone has no signal. You? Nothing. Fuck. Stay cool. I got the front door. You watch the rest. George nods, turns, finds the bikers staring at him. Back across the street at the motel, the woman stares out the window of a motel room, strumming a guitar. Her phone rings. She answers. I'm taking the Mexican to the farm. You get the American. Back in the bar, a barkeep approaches. Last stop on the road before you hit hell. Anything to drink? Bourbon. Neat. Just a water. Ah, hell. Tequila for him. Make it a double. Salt and lime besides. I'm buying. The barkeep makes the drinks. Bourbon is placed in front of George. Water, tequila, salt, and lime is placed in front of Jorge. Jorge eyes the tequila warily and sips the water. You bastard. Just drink. I'd rather not. At the end of the bar, the two bikers nurse beers. The quartermaster whispers in Prospect's ear. (laughs) George stands and approaches the bikers. Mind telling me the joke? Your partner looks like he just crawled out from under the Azteca. Now fuck off. The barkeep slowly reaches under the counter. Jorge locks eyes with the barkeep, shakes no. You first. You and your LARPing friend. The bikers rise. You got a fancy little clubhouse where you come from? Well, fuck back off to it where you belong. Cosplay Nazis aren't welcome here. Jorge approaches, hand on holster. Is there a problem here? 
bikers eye the pair, then each other. They back down. They pay and slink out the front door. George returns to his seat. They didn't want a drink. They wanted a beachhead. You let one Nazi feel welcome today, he'll bring his Nazi friend tomorrow. The day after, there's three or four. Just like that, you're the Nazi bar. You're welcome. The barkeep pours another round. On the house. All night. Across the street, the woman slips into a red dress in her motel room. Makeup, lipstick, the whole velvet shebang. Later at the bar, there's three empty shot glasses in front of George. Jorge's tequila remains untouched. We almost had a minor league team. Had a union ready to build, team ready to move in. Then the mayor was arrested on corruption charges. Tank the stadium deal. When was this? Uh, 1985, I think. Uh, I hate this stupid job. Being used like this. They each take a sip. So. So what? So, you heard something. I saw something. Let's put it together. Help me out. I'm so fucking sick of being the help people need. What about me? What about Galicia? To Galicia. Cheers. Salud. George drinks his bourbon, Jorge his water. In the bathroom, a pair of rough hands hang a sign on the bathroom door. We go back to George and Jorge at the bar. So what's Galicia? The place. Northwest Spain. A cloudy little haven with good food and people. My dream. To fish and forget. If I can. It sounds nice. The forgetting. I bet your brother. He set you up. Something for the family, right? Could be the prodigal son. Redeem your family and fit right into the family tree again. Right? What did he say about me? That you were a boogeyman, a Mexican boogeyman. My reputation. Jorge drinks the tequila. He slams the first shot. Then the second, finishing off with salt and lime. You're starting down a road I've already walked. You're making better time. What road? My family? The work? All of it. You will do so much for them. Shining night makes a prodigal return. Just poison, corruption. That's what's left in the end. 
I used to think that corruption was some fancy term. Some three-syllable word professors used to describe why the world was so shitty. I think it just hit me, thanks to you. I'm that corruption. A disease. A cancer. Jorge bites the line. My mother had cancer. Sorry. My father did too. Not for very long. It was quick. God, why am I telling you this? There's confidence in a stranger at the bar. You drink, you spill your soul, and then you go your separate ways, never to see the other again. Perfect. A new round of drinks are delivered. You hate your job. You hate being used, then why don't you quit? I don't know. Why don't you? Jorge stands. He pounds the tequila. I'm gonna go break the seal. At the bathroom, the sign on the men's door reads, out of order. Jorge ambles outside. He wanders the perimeter outside the bar. He finds adequate cover, unzips, and relieves himself. He finishes, turns around, and freezes. The woman's semi-trailer is sitting alone. Wine bottles visible inside. Jorge scans around. Nobody's there. He lifts himself into the trailer. Wine bottles are wrapped in pallets left and right in perfect symmetrical rows. Jorge hits the flashlight app on his phone. Step by step, he moves forward. He makes it halfway when a shadow obscures the trailer. Jorge turns around and Susaro slams the door shut with a wolfish smile. Son of a bitch. Hayward! Jorge runs full speed into the trailer door. He falls backwards, seeing stars. trailer rumbles onto the highway. Back at the bar, George is immersed in his own drunken world. The front door opens with a bang, and in strides the woman. George's jaw drops first at the sight of her. She's walking towards him. Is that a drink for me? Next time on Hell, California. (sighs) I fucked up. I fucked up bad. You're drunk. You were drunk, weren't you? Sometimes the option to be a better man isn't there. The path is cloudy, marky. My soul feels poisoned. I need an antidote. You lost the file, the cargo, and the Mexican. You have no idea how much that glass could be worth. Who would pay for it? 
what they would do with it. It's oil without the mess, weapons without the bodies. You're quitting. I can't do this. Jorge, you can do this. Follow Hell California on at Hell California on Twitter and Hell, California, an anthology crime show on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Hell, California, an anthology crime show for watch party live reading events of each episode recording. For further inquiries or requests to be added to our mailing list, email us at hellcaliforniaseries at gmail.com. Hell California is powered by Zoom Catchers. Zoom Catchers provides virtual events through video conferencing platforms. They relieve hosting and planning responsibilities from businesses and individuals to give them the power to focus on forming meaningful connections with their communities. Please consult their website at zoomcatchers.us. Thanks to our actors and performers. Hell California, the podcast, is produced by Christian Elder. It is co-produced by Jeremy Foley and Sarah O'Reilly and sound engineered by Raleigh Tomasi. This podcast was recorded under a SAG after collective bargaining agreement. Please come and join us again. This is your host and narrator, Mike Brennan, saying, I'll see you in hell.